This fucking guy. Hello, my little popcorn balls. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care, if self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and P-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. When I'm going to San Francisco, I'm sure to wear flowers in my hair. Ren Martinez. And when I'm going to Kansas City, I'm sure to wear dungarees. Ginger Golub. I feel like this is lyrics to a song that I'm not immediately familiar with. Yours are. <laughs> okay. You know what? The Kansas City dungarees, that absolutely could be like a fucking country song from Keith Urban or some shit. Or a minor league baseball team. <laughs> I mean, we're the flying squirrels. It is true. We are the flying squirrels. It, it's not any weirder, but how, how you doing today? I'm good. I am um, set up with a seltzer. I'm set up with some popcorn because like an idiot, I decided not to eat today. I felt like that was a suggestion rather than a requirement. It, uh, and, and just, you know, in case any of our... Uh, dear listeners are wondering, this is more of an Adderall thing than something you have adopted into your personality. yeah, no. This is entirely due to the fact that in order for my brain to function slightly better, uh, my appetite is fucking nuked into oblivion. So, you know, it's a a trade-off. It's, we're doing our best here, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But on that note, with that in mind, as you please, what you got (laughs) to scream into the void, baby girl? So, today was a historic day. Oh, boy. Because uh, man of the people, Jeff Bezos, went into space. Oh, yeah. He did go into space. He's not the first billionaire in space. He was very mad yeah. that he was not the first one. But uh, he, 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 he went in space, and all of the news is like, man, I'm so glad that nothing else is going on so we can continue talking about this. <sighs> Yeah. His shiny, shiny head. Unfortunately, he came back, which is... Kind they of. haven't been listening to the petitions then. <laughs> the change.org. There was a legitimate change.org petition, in case you have not heard, uh, not to let Jeff Bezos back to Earth. I don't know really who has the authority for such things. Eventually, mm-hmm. there will be space law, much like maritime law. Yeah. And I imagine it has to be some sort of, like, international waters kind of situation. I don't know who I don't know who the space cops will be. I mean, the U.S. If Donald Trump has anything to say about it, because man, we just love being cops. Anyway, um, so yes, Jeff Bezos uh, flew to the edge of space, and apparently he had um some things to say after his flight. Some oh, you know just no. nuggets of wisdom that he oh, wanted boy. to share. We need to take all heavy industry, all polluting industry. And move it into space. And keep Earth as this beautiful gem of a planet it is. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, and the reasonable thing to say in this situation would be, we need to stop polluting. Mm-hmm. That's not what he said. No, 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 no. We can't. <laughs> no, 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 we don't want to affect industry. That's impractical. How else are you going to buy your, like, uh, $5 plushy cats from Amazon? Exactly. And get it to your house delivered in, like, 24 hours. Mm. No, no, no. We just need to move it all into space so we can pollute space. Yes. 
And so we can just give the poor Amazon workers a hell of a commute on top of the $15 an hour they are currently receiving. <laughs> uh, so I just love that. I just love this idea where they can, we can just put it into space as if like the fact that our emissions reach into space isn't part of the problem, Jeff. God, Jeff. Now we have this. We need unifiers not vilifiers. When you look out at the planet, there are no borders. There's nothing. It's one planet, and we share it. And it's fragile. I'm just really glad that he's all about unification as a man who really supports union. Yes. And bringing people together. You know, Jeff Bezos and his famous unequivocal support of unions. <laughs> I mean, again, it's just like this beautiful planet. It's very fragile. Um, and, you know, as somebody who pays like nothing in federal tax income, um, it's just, you know, I, I want to preserve this planet. Is Jeff Bezos the fir first person with public nude photos to be in space? I think so. You know, and that, that's an honor. Yeah. And that's American as hell, too. Yeah. Couldn't be the first billionaire, but... First man who had his dick in space. Uh, most of the men in space still had their dick <laughs> with them. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, okay. That's a thing. How many dick pics are taken in space? Oh, no. Like, that would be, I mean, come on. I need therapy. Do you? I guess let's get some. I do. Sorry. Before we go. Oh, no. There is one last quote. Oh, God. From Jeff Bezos regarding his you know, flight into space. And he just, he wanted to, you know, thank everybody for making that possible. Specifically, I also want to thank every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all this. And yep, you're not wrong, Jeff. You're not wrong, I suppose, <laughs> in the most <sighs> completely <sighs> just missing the point kind of way. <sighs> oh, man. <sighs> I'd love him to just be rocketed into the sun. But yes. We are here. We are ready. We want to hear about this fucking guy. All right. So um, you and I recently had uh, a, I swear to, Becca, I swear to God it was a working lunch. Um, <laughs> with uh, intern Carolyn. Carolyn, if you're listening, hello and welcome hello. to the podcast. Um, and we were talking about some potential subjects uh mm -hmm. for the podcast and there was one that really tickled my fancy because i didn't know that they were allegedly terrible um and i thought this is just going to be like a quick two-pager and you know it'll be like you a bonus always episode. think it's going to be a quick two-pager and i i cut it off at seven um mm -hmm. that's reasonable so, so uh but i can tell you that dolly payne was born on May 20th, 1768, in the Quaker settlement of New Garden in North Carolina. That sounds very quaint. Very quaint. Her mother had been born a Quaker, and her father had not, but he had converted. Uh, a year after her birth, the Payne family returned to their ancestral home in Virginia, and Dolly grew up at her parents' plantation. So her real name is Dolly? It's not like one of those like nicknames? No. Well, there's some speculation that is short for Dorothy, but uh, um. 
I mean, she was registered uh, in the Quaker meeting hall as Dolly. Oh. Her will was listed as Dolly. As far as we can tell, that was... That was her name. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Much like Lady Bird Johnson was late Was Lady Bird. Yep, yep. Which is also a interesting choice. But then again, you know, there were there were some odd choices of names back then. I mean, obviously there was the Puritan that was like, you know, Chastity Belt God Cometh as a name. Um, but also names like Dorcas. My the the one in my family that uh my parents are sort of trying to revive now that DJ and I are sort of like considering the vague concept of like maybe children, uh is my I think he's my fourth great grandfather, Makaja Bates. I'm sorry, what? Makaja Bates. Is that a one name or is that first, first name and last name? Okay. Makaja. Makaja. How how do you even spell that? I believe it's M-A-C-A-J-A-H. Woof. So first of all, awful. Second of all, that definitely sounds like a name that someone was trying to name their daughter Michaela and like f- skipped a few letters. That that does yeah. feel true. He was mm-hmm. a city planner in Richmond. Oh, good for buried him. buried like next to Jefferson Davis. So Dolly's-, so Dolly's name was actually Dolly and she lived on a plantation, which is very idyllic. For her, and, and you may hear the word plantation, and you and you may think, "Wait a minute, Gingy, weren't Quakers abolitionists? weren't were they oh, yeah. not into the idea of slavery?" That that's um, what I heard. It, it, to which I would answer, "Not these ones, apparently." <laughs> uh, I, I mean, okay, so they they sort of were sort of theoretical in the very james buchanan i am immorally opposed mm, to slavery mm-hmm. but i am going to make money off mm-hmm. it kind of way i feel like it's the very like current christian tradition of i am absolutely a christian and you know love thy neighbor but also i hate poor people and don't want them to have welfare and i hate immigrants and they are not allowed mm-hmm. in my country mm-hmm. but i'm very christian i follow that bible oh yes mm-hmm. oh yes um despite having Lots of slaves, as far as I can tell. <laughs> uh, the Paines allegedly were proponents of manumission, which is the process by which slave owners freed their slaves by, like, the the very by-the-books bureaucratic process. Okay. He was like, you should free your slaves, but you should do it Follow legally. The yeah. Uh, don't, legally. Don't just, you know, I... I I was going to say open their cages, and then I was like, that's dehumanizing. And then I was like, this whole process was dehumanizing. Um, You can have your rights when you go through the bureaucratic process. uh, Eventually, in 1783, well after the American Revolution, Dolly's family emancipated the dozens, if not hundreds, of actual human beings who they had enslaved and built their fortune on the backs of. Well, they're already rich, so... Hmm. Yay, white people. Yay. This also, uh, lest you think that they were being, in any kind of unique way, good people, this was just something that a lot of people, especially Quakers, were doing in the northern portions of the South at this point. Oh, uh, so it was on trend. Yeah, they, they were... It's very uh, trendy. Very... To be into human rights. Hashtag on fleek. <laughs> at this point... Dolly's family moved to Philadelphia, where her father went into business as a starch merchant. Okay. Which it sounds like a fancy way of saying potato salesman. Just going door to door with bags of potatoes? It's my dream. Mm. In a way. Um, 
That business failed within seven years, and her father, John Payne, was expelled from the Quaker faith for uh, taking on more debts than he could repay. Ooh. Not for the slavery. Not for the owning people. Oh, no, 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 no. You just couldn't pay us back, bitch. (sighs) Bitch better have my money. Oh, this sounds very un-Quaker. Pay me what you owe me. Dolly's father died. Yay. In October 1792, and Dolly's mother, Mary Payne, initially made ends meet by opening a boarding house, but then she was like, "Mm, this is not going great, and so she took her two youngest children and just yeeted herself to the western portion of Virginia. Buck's Garden, I think. Mm. Which, it's down near Taswell. I don't know where Taswell is. We were there. It doesn't mean I know where it is. Okay. It's out in mountainy places. Now, you may be thinking, I've never heard of Dolly Payne. And that's because it's her maiden name. It'll all make sense when she gets married. And in January... Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. I was going to have to do it once, okay? Yeah. I, I'm. It's going to be more than once, isn't it's it? It's going to be more okay. than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in January 1790, Dolly Payne married... John Todd, a Quaker lawyer in Philadelphia. And they quickly had two sons, John Payne Todd, who was called Payne thereafter. I'm going to refer to him a lot. I'm going to refer to him as Payne Todd. And that's just the name he got stuck with. Wow, that's cute. And William Temple Todd. Okay. You won't need to remember that name because in August 1793, a yellow fever epidemic broke out in Philadelphia, killing 5,019 people in four months, which was a full 20% of the city's population. Woof. Uh, Dolly's family was hit particularly hard, and she lost her husband and William Temple Todd on the same day. Uh, he was like... Six months old? It's very grim. Uh, Her mother-in-law and her father-in-law, all dead. Um, Man, it's it's like we should be taking these pandemics seriously. mm. Hey. Hey. Not if it restricts my right to get haircuts. (laughs) (laughs) So now she's a single mother to her son, Payne Todd, uh, and essentially had no financial support. While her husband had left her money in his will, the executor, her brother-in-law, withheld the funds, and she had to sue him for what she was owed. I mean, it sounds like a man in the, what is this, 1700s still? Yep. Yeah. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like men ever, but, like, definitely this time period. Mm. At this point, most of Dolly's male relatives were dead, which is a pretty perilous position for a single mother. She had no one to support her financially and no one to help her make a good match. So it's a good thing that homegirl was foine as hell. Foine. Foine. By all sources. She was just, you know, number one MILF. She looks like a goddamn alien in every picture I have seen of her. (laughs) Some people are into that. It's sort of like like James Buchanan, but pretty, but somebody stuck like a ringlet on just the very top of his head. Okay. She's sort of very egg-like in a way, which is very smooth and oval. That was like the thing back then. I don't remember. I actually think this was even before 
the 1700s. I think it was like in the Middle Ages at some point. But apparently the beauty standard of the time was literally to look as egg-like as possible, which is why there was a period of like medieval portraiture where like all the hairlines are super far back because everyone was plucking their hair out to look like eggs. And they were just like super pale as possible and like just wanted to be straight up egg, which... I am certainly somebody who watches a Studio Ghibli film and is like, mm-hmm. that food looks beautiful. Yes. But I don't look at just an an egg, like yeah. in-shell egg and like, oh, yeah, baby. Like, that is my standard you of attractiveness. You know what I find sexually attractive? This egg. <laughs> last, last week was petty egg bitch. This week's going to be sexy egg bitch. Sexy egg bitch. We're just, mm. Um... So she's fine. She's living in Philadelphia. According to many sources, she was staying at a boarding house in Philadelphia, which was at the time the U.S. capital. Because remember, this is back before they mm. had decided it was D.C. So it was still Philadelphia. One of her flatmates was this dude. Super obscure dude. Dad, you've heard of him. Named Aaron Burr. Oh. Aaron Burr, sir? I can't remember the next line. Um, and That depends. Who's asking... Never know mind. all the lines. No, I actually don't. I only know, again, with my ADHD and audio processing issues, like, I know in key phrases. I, I know that you punch the bursar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- this has been a lovely overview of the entirety of Hamilton. Thank you. <laughs> uh, tip your waitresses. Um, so Aaron Burr, while he may have been kind of the bad guy in Hamilton, he was a very excellent wingman because he was like, have you met old Jimmy here? And introduced her to his bud, James Madison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it was love at first egg. Mm, he cracked on. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Uh, she may have been sexy, but she didn't scramble his pickup lines. <laughs> I mean, he was just hard-boiled for that one. And, you know, after a year alone, she might have been feeling a little over easy. <laughs> It's come to this, huh? <laughs> oh, I, I just, you know, I love this brand. I love us. Mm. At 43, Madison was a longstanding bachelor, 17 years her senior. A brisk courtship followed, and by August 1794, Dolly accepted his marriage proposal. Uh, she was trying to get into them pantaloons. Mm, them fluffy, fluffy pantaloons. Mm-hmm. Um. As he was not a Quaker, she was expelled from the Society of Friends for marrying outside her faith, but she clearly did not give a shit, started attending Episco- Episcopal Episcopal services. Sure. Uh, and I, I think her attitude was essentially just like, look, we were owning slaves. All of this was very loosey-goosey to begin with. Yeah. My father got Quaker excommunicated, which I think just means that they cross him out of a book. The Quakers are usually very chill. Yeah. And despite her Quaker upbringing, there's no evidence that she did not enthusiastically support James as a slaveholder. Yep, 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 yep. They were married on September 15th, 1794, and lived in Philadelphia for the next three years. Uh, Madison adopted her son, Payne Todd, but they never had children of their own. In 1797, after eight years in the House of Representatives, James Madison retired from politics never Uh-oh. to be heard from again what a classic classic the thing end of that politicians episode. do i'm retiring mm. from politics he returned with his family to montpelier 
which was the Madison family plantation in Orange County, Virginia, not to be confused with Orange County, California. Right. Very different vibes. Very different vibes. Uh, but when his buddy Thomas Jefferson was elected as the third president of the United States, he asked Madison to serve as his secretary of state. Madison accepted and moved Dolly Payne, her sister Anna, and of course their domestic slaves to mm-hmm. Washington. They, I mean, who's going to carry the luggage? God, Gingy. Well, and, and they had to take a large house that required so much upkeep because Dolly believed that entertaining politicians would be important in the new capital. Absolutely. Admittedly, it is wild to me that that was a novel idea. I mean, at this time, like, politics is a novel idea. I guess. Like, politics that doesn't involve, like, primogeniture. Stabbing your brother with a spear at a Christmas dinner. Um, we save those for our Christmas episodes. Yeah. Um, the Madisons, like I said, brought a number of enslaved people with them from Montpelier, but they also hired out enslaved laborers from other slave owners in D.C., which was apparently a super popular thing to do. Oh, cool. It's Uber for slavery. Well, it, it, and you may hear of situations where enslaved people... Uh, like, hire themselves out in their free time to, like, make money so they can eventually buy their freedom. That wasn't this. They were paying wages directly to the slave owners rather than the people doing the work. Again, it's Uber. With people. Enslaved people. You sure you want to live and die on that particular comparison? It's contracted labor, where you're not actually paying the person driving the car because they're a contractor. You're paying Uber. Admittedly, one involves a lot fewer whippings. Well, that's why I said of enslaved people. It's clearly not the same. Dolly's enslaved lady's maid was a teenage girl named Suki, which was possibly short for Susan. Suki did literally everything for Dolly, as far as I can tell. And that said, Dolly's letters suggest a growing tension between her personal clashes with Suki and her outright dependence on Suki's labor. (laughs) In an 18- I want to rely on her labor, but, like, I don't want to deal with any guilt about it. Mm. Well, in an 1818 letter to her sister Anna Payne Cutts, boy, that's a name, mm-hmm. Anna Payne Cutts. That sounds like a fake name, but I believe it. Dolly Madison wrote that Suki, quote, has made so many depredations on everything in every part of this house that I sent her to Black Meadow last week, but I find it terribly inconvenient to do without her, and I suppose I shall have to take her again. Oh my goodness. This person upon whom I can literally do anything with, like, include, like, beat and whip and, like, sell off to the highest bidder. Like, said something that made me a little bit upset. And, like, I literally, like, sent her off to wherever the fuck. She, and- she she sent her off to a nearby plantation to have to work in the fields to make her feel bad. Yeah, like, I literally sent her off so she could get worse punishment and, like, be beaten under a blazing sun. And, like, that's, you know, she needed that, but... <sighs> Well, Who's going to tie my shoe? As many a middle-aged white woman seems to do, she seemingly believed that Suki was stealing from her and tried to punish her by sending her to, like I said, one of the outlying uh, quarter farms a few miles from Montpelier. But after one week 
she found that she could not manage without Suki. Yeah, she didn't know how to tie her she shoes. Not, no, she didn't know how to do fucking anything. Uh, she acknowledged her own dependence and how little she could do without Suki, saying, quote, I must even let her steal from me to keep from labor myself. <gasps> it's almost like paying someone. It's it's just so- Stealing from me to keep from labor myself. I mean, I have no idea if Suki was stealing from her. She if probably she, was if not. If she was, like, good for her, yep. bitch, you deserve it. But, like, I can't believe that, like, I'm going to have to deal with the injustice of a person who I literally own possibly, possibly stealing my fucking hairpin because I literally refuse to learn how to do anything. It's just my life is very hard. Can you imagine me having to actually do a single goddamn I thing. I really wish at this point that I could make a convincing violin noise so I could do just a little tiny world smallest violin because it does not work as a visual gag on a podcast. It does not. But just know that we're playing violins in our hearts. Mm. Jefferson at this point was a widow, so he learned, so he leaned you on. You mean a widower? Widow? I think that's dumb that they're separate words. I mean, that's fair. In widower sounds like somebody who killed the husband. I just he I, was the widower. You he made her widow, a widow, and I immediately like saw him in like an actual black veil and morning gown, which isn't necessarily a bad image. No, it's a better image than whatever was really happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leaned on Dolly for a lot of first lady stuff. She helped furnish the brand new White House and served as Jefferson's hostess for official ceremonial functions mm-hmm. because. Boys can't host events themselves because that might be gay. I mean, fair. What are you eating? Probably their own butt. You look guilty. That's her face, okay? I know her. I know what lies in this dog's heart. <laughs> hatred and revenge. It's re- yeah, it's all <laughs> hatred and like a, a, a light to moderate racism, honestly. I don't know where you got that. I don't know who planted these seeds of hatred in your heart. Karen goes down the couch. Uh, yes, she became a crucial part of the Washington social circle. She she befriended the wives of diplomats, the wives of of everybody. Uh, oops, all wives. Her charm precipitated a diplomatic crisis. I looked into this and it's the dumbest fucking thing. Called the Mary Affair. After Jefferson escorted Dolly into the dining room instead of the wife of Anthony Mary, who is an English diplomat to the U.S. Okay. The article I was reading tried to blame the War of 1812 on her because of this. Okay. like Because he was an English diplomat, and there's ways of doing this. Why would you blame her? Like, don't get me wrong, you blame her for all sorts of things, but, like, Jefferson's the literal president. Like, even if it was because he put, like, his arm out and Dolly took it, and they've escorted them very, like, gentlemanly into another room like that's still not her fault no. it's the president's fault it is but i guess if we can blame a woman why wouldn't we mm, it is their way but i mean there were there was all of this weird dumb shit around like her and jefferson because they're it, i mean he Everyone was notoriously they were horny yes everybody thought they were boning and that was like weirdly a big thing during uh madison's uh campaign for presidency in like 1808 was like but what if his wife was fucking thomas jefferson and i don't care i would rather he be fucking a consenting married lady than 
you know, raping the teenage half-sister of his dead wife. Mm. But again, this is still the era not very far after the fucking Reynolds pamphlet, which again, thank you, Hamilton, the, the musical. Um, Tell me how I... Nope. Nope, that's not... Tell me how I said no to this. Yep, that one. Um, Please cut my part out. But uh, yeah, won't. like, they, they li- he literally ruined his political career by admitting he had an affair a thing that fucking everyone did yes. at the time but you don't say it but you don't say it out loud and it was f- frankly still a faux pas until at least the late 90s mm-hmm. yeah i mean like the last president had sex with an actress of the pornography mm-hmm. uh, while his dead inside wife was pregnant with their child mm-hmm. and that was just sort of a boys will be boys kind of thing and that was like a year ago so things have changed radically yeah. and it, it's kind of one of those things like teapot dome where i'm just like where where is the scandal mm-hmm. but what do i know um in 1808 like i mentioned madison was elected president and he served two terms from 1809 to 1817 a oh boy dolly dolly became the official White House hostess instead of the unofficial White House hostess. Most historians point out that she defined the official role of the First Lady. She was renowned for her social graces. You are looking around like you want a thing. No, I'm just trying not to chew directly into the microphone. That is kind of you. Yeah, and she she was a big reason why Madison was popular, because I have to assume that this guy did not particularly have a high charisma modifier from everything i have read no 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 no, um, no, no. and so they were really relying on her and she was she, i mean she was just like really up in your face social extroversion in a way that makes me very anxious she also would uh, this is written nowhere in this so i don't know when she started doing this but like the the fashion at the time was very jane austen the like on pier waist mm-hmm. cut right below the boob like straight down but she would pair that with the turban for unknown okay. reasons i mean breaking breaking boundaries they, I and they were like look at this woman she's so mysterious i mean and in terms of like dolly and james i mean it really does sound like like that 2000s TV show, very Beauty and the Geek, you know? Yeah. Where where you have a... Or even just, like, honestly, like, any fucking sitcom. Any fucking sitcom. Where you have a capable, social, competent woman paired with a weird man. I... They're, they're, a weird, incompetent man. And that's not even that saying that James... I don't necessarily think James Madison was incompetent. But like we don't know enough about him. I don't to know, know if enough he was about him. All I remember from again Hamilton the musical is that apparently he was very sniffly. Like they portrayed him as a very sniffly man, and I'm not sure what that's implying other than he had allergies. But he lived in Virginia. Who doesn't? Uh, interesting with the sniffly because this is something that again I had to take out because this got way too long. But like one of the ways that she made diplomacy ties was like doing snuff with the diplomats. Like I'm not a regular girl. I'm a cool girl. I do snuff. Honestly, that's the best way to build bonds is by doing drugs. Yeah, I mean <laughs> snuff at that point was basically just like snorting wet tobacco into your sinus cavity and it's amazing she lived as long as she did jesus christ um according to historian murray jenkins schwartz dolly's weekly dinner parties and balls quote 
required a lot of work from the Madison slaves, who were highly visible to guests. Their number equaled, even exceeded the number of diners. For Dolly appointed a servant to stand behind each guest at dinner parties. Mmm, cute. Mmm, super cute. In 1812, James was re-elected, and the War of 1812 began with Great Britain. After the U.S. attempted to invade Canada in 18 in 1813, which did I know that that was a thing that happened? Did you know that was a thing that happened? Just assume I don't know anything, honestly. Well, we apparently tried to invade Canada.、Um, the British force attacked Washington in 1814. As it approached the White House, staff hurriedly prepared to flee. You can tell that I just copy pasted a lot of this. I'll give my sources at the end, perhaps more than usual. I <laughs> thought this was going to be a short thing,、um, but、uh, everybody was preparing to flee. Dolly allegedly, allegedly, allegedly ordered that a copy of the Lansdowne portrait was saved. So just to be clear, this was a copy of an original portrait painted by a guy named Gilbert Stuart. The original was somewhere the fuck in England, presumably making fun of King George. And this、hmm. copy was in the East Wing of the White House. It's the one of George Washington that you always see, where he's doing like the most line face, and he's just got one arm out, going like things. Behold the field where I have my fucks, and you will see that it is barren. When I was in school, and I'm presumably when you were in school, I definitely heard about Dolly Madison courageously fleeing the burning White House with the portrait of Washington clutched under her arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the definitely in the sort of cinematic tale、mm-hmm. that was presented,、uh, the White House was actively on fire. Yes. Um and like wooden beams were like falling down around her, but she was like, guys, 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 I have to, I have to do this. And so she jumped back into the flames and grabbed that portrait and again tucked it under her arm and you know her her, her other hands in her face, like trying to look through the bright flames, coughing on smoke, and then she manages to escape just as an explosion happens behind her and the rest of the house falls down. But she saved that painting. Starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I would love to see him with one single ringlet. One on single ringlet.、Head. Dwayne the Rock Johnson playing Dolly Madison is all I care about now.、Oh、Thank、God. you for this. I would absolutely watch that film. Yeah. Also, none of that happened. Oh, I mean, okay. That sounds like most of my education. Yeah, the British were marching on the Capitol,、um, and so she starts telling her staff, and let's be honest, it's slaves. Uh, that they need to get this portrait out, their own safety be damned. Everyone is pissed at this lady because they need to get the fuck out of Dodge. But she's like, "Uh, fine. Can you break the frame? But don't you dare roll that painting up." Which this is the portrait that she paints of what happens.、Mm. Uh, earliest twenty, earliest, earliest, earliest twenty century.、Mm-hmm. Uh, historians noted that Jean Pierre Sussat had directed the servants again, many of whom were slaves, in the crisis, and that house slaves were the ones who actually preserved the painting and presumably had to carry that fucking canvas flat out of the city because God forbid you roll it up. Um, the idea that Dolly saved the painting comes mainly from a letter that she allegedly allegedly wrote、uh, just before evacuating the White House. The White House. Seriously, it's like it is three p.m. I am writing this. Hold on a minute. 
okay, they've gotten the painting out of the frame. It's very, it's a very weird letter. It's disappeared, this letter. Mm. Um, but, uh, I mean, what's more American than a history in which black people do the work and white people take the credit? Well, and, uh, this letter that she allegedly wrote to her sister, um, she edited, she edited, edited, edited. When did I stop being able to enunciate? At birth. Hush. Um, she edited it and gave it to a journalist for publication in 1836. So this was kind of this own mythology she was building. She's like, tell tell him about how I saved the painting. I mean, it, it's again, it's very celebrity culture in yeah. which it's like, um, you have your PR person, and then you like are like, hey, paparazzi, I want you to photograph me at this restaurant, okay? And then suddenly it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that they would catch me at this restaurant. Well, even like even more than that, it's like Brian Williams, uh, <laughs> sort of like one minute, sort of the British are marching and she's thinking about leaving the building and the next second she's being fired on in an Apache helicopter. So brave. So man. brave. Mm. Much Dolly. Um, so Dolly Madison hurried away in her waiting carriage, along with other families who were fleeing the city. When the British left Washington a few days later, she returned to the capital to meet her husband. Uh, but it was all fucked up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, the systematic destruction had desolated much of the city. As Congress began discussions over the construction of a new capital, Dolly and James moved into the Octagon House. Which, much to my chagrin, it has nothing to do with wrestling, but it is allegedly one of the most haunted buildings in Washington, D.C. Cool. I mean, that's most of Washington, D.C., to be honest. It looks like a brick Victorian house, but that sort of, like, round part with the with the turret or whatever the fuck is kind of in the front center instead of off uh, to the side. That's why it's architecturally interesting, I guess. Um, it is worth noting that during his second term, Madison assigned his stepson, Payne Todd. Oh, hey, Payne. Hey, Payne. As secretary to an official diplomatic mission, which negotiated the Treaty of Ghent that ended the War of 1812. He thought that this would give Payne a sense of purpose. Hmm. Good stepdad. However, the 21-year-old Todd left the delegation, made his way across Europe, and spent much of the time drinking, gambling, shooting, and acquiring art. I mean, it sounds like a twenty-one. It sounds like a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> like I probably would have done the same. Honestly, in eighteen seventeen, Madison retired from the presidency, and he and Dolly moved back to Montpelier. Um, much of her later life was spent bailing her son, Payne Todd. Can't say that enough. Out of trouble, he was again. I just, I love, I love this, like. Real Housewives of Montpelier County, like, kind of thing. I mean, it is just classic rich white family TV. Oh, yeah. And he, he a mess. Uh, he was jailed multiple times for shooting incidents. Oh. That's the most I was able to get off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and was put in a debtor's prison in 1830. Mm. Mm. Uh, she and James sold Madison land to pay off Payne's debts. And from 1813 to 1836, James and Dolly spent roughly $40,000, which is the equivalent of about a million dollars today, bailing out Payne Todd. Woof. Woof. I mean, again, it's, 
you know, you have the, you have these celebrity kids. They're born in the spotlight. They're, they just have these like totally wrecked childhoods. They're immediately mm-hmm. in rehab at like 15 years old. I mean, he's like the Justin Bieber of the 1830s. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, it's not like he was a young boy who watched his father and brother when die. When I was a young boy, my father. That's not paid from a Hamilton. Million dollars <laughs> to pay off all my debts. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I'm going to get another seltzer real quick as I as I percolate on this. Uh, is that high hopes? What? That's the Black Parade, my dude. Oh, okay. What the I was fuck? Thirteen. He said, "Son, when you grow up, will you be a completely useless fuckhead?" As your mom and I raised you. Anyway, so after James's death on June 28th, 1836, Dolly remained at Montpelier for a year. Uh, it Again, not Vermont. She organized and copied her husband's papers for Congress, and she uh, they gave her $55,000 as payment for publishing those papers, which I looked it up would be worth... One million six hundred and six thousand eight hundred and four dollars and thirty cents today. I could have rounded, but I sense you like the specificity. Man, clearly just the next J.K. Rowling. Well, he had particularly obscure notes about some meeting. Just to think that I immediately, upon returning to my office, throw away my notes from every fucking meeting in the world because I'm like, I'm never going to need these. Yeah, I mean, clearly he was a hoarder, and she was just trying to, you know, make some money off the hoard. I I understand that. Um, Madison specified in his will that none of the enslaved people should be sold without his or her consent. So uh-huh. actually putting that into the hands of... Okay. Mm-hmm, uh, to keep the families together. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he meant... Well, I guess, uh, but he left them to his wife instead of freeing them, as most of- I mean, of of course, she can't tie her shoes. She doesn't know how to scrub her own back. She doesn't Mm -mm. know if arms go that way. Mm -mm. Mine do some days. Um, But uh, his instruction- uh, This is going to blow your mind. His instruction not to sell enslaved people without consent was not legally binding- and Dolly Madison would go on to sell most of those enslaved people to alleviate her financial troubles later in life. Well, I mean, well, her her son's financial we, troubles. Well, her, hey, my financial troubles are your financial troubles, my friend. Yeah, I mean, who isn't in debt and needs to sell off a couple of people to resolve it? Not Dolly Madison, that's mm. for sure. In the fall of 1830, I will get into that and. In- Way more detailed than you ever wanted. In the fall of 1837, Dolly returned to Washington, charging Paintod, terrible child, with the care of the Montpelier plantation. Why would you do that? Because he's a very smart, inspiring I mean, young man. This is basically like this is basically like Lucille Bluth letting Job run the house. Like you know, you're going to come back to it being on fire. Uh, she and her sister Anna moved into a house, um, which was 
not owned by Dolly. She didn't have that. She didn't have house money. Um, on Lafayette Square, across from the White House, uh, Dolly took in, <laughs> enslaved man and later abolitionist Paul Jennings with her as a butler, and he was forced to leave his family in Virginia. Mm. Now, Payne, this is going to blow your mind. Oh. He fucked up managing Montpelier. What? I can't, I can't believe that the heir to the Bluth family fortune would fuck up so bad because he just wanted to be a fucking magician or some shit. Well, Dolly tried to keep them afloat by selling more of Madison's papers, but nobody wanted to buy them at that particular juncture because she had just sold $1.6 million worth of papers to Congress. Uh, she, she also agreed to sell actual human being Paul Jennings. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Paul Jennings here because he is the most interesting dude in this whole thing. And we actually know things about him, which I feel like is so yeah. rare. Uh, but we do, and he's very cool. Jennings was just 10 years old when Madison became president and brought him to the White House. How old is your niece? Six. That's yeah. the eldest. Is six. The oldest is, I want you to think of a child just four years older than that niece. Okay. She gets dragged away from presumably her parents, anybody she's ever known, taken to Washington, D.C., and told you have to carry this man's bags. Cool. I, again, I just, I, who isn't pro-child labor, honestly? <laughs> um, when Madison's presidency ended and Paul was 18, uh, Paul moved to Montpelier, where he served as James Madison's valet. He married his wife, Fanny, who was an enslaved woman who lived at a neighboring plantation. And despite their separation, they raised a family. As I mentioned, Dolly fucked this whole thing up by moving to Washington and separating him from his family. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then because she was so broke, she was going to have to sell her human assets... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jennings was a fucking savvy dude, and he used his contacts in the free black community in D.C. to get in touch with Massachusetts Senator Daniel Webster, who agreed to help purchase Jennings' freedom in 1847, which wasn't even this direct thing. He didn't, like, buy this guy from Dolly Madison. They had to go through a third guy who, like, set up this fake human asset sale, uh, and then he bought Paul from that guy because I guess Dolly just super didn't want him to be emancipated. Huh. So that's fun. Um, he he purchases freedom in so 1847. Like some sort of freedom broker. Mm, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a third party freedom broker because she's just that racist. Yeah. Paul was also literate and helped forge documents for enslaved people during, uh, who were trying to escape to freedom because he was a fucking cool dude mm -hmm. and was able to do that. Um, he also allegedly, and I get into this a little bit, uh, he allegedly arranged basically this boat called the Pearl to come and pick up some enslaved people and take them to freedom, but they got tipped off by someone who was a fucking narc and like it got captured and it was a whole thing, but he did his best. Paul Jennings wrote a memoir called A Colored Man's Reminiscences of Madison, which was uh, the first memoir uh, written by anybody who had been in the White House. Oh, neat. Interestingly. Uh, he describes Washington as a dreary place, uh, and he said that the evacuation of the White House during the War of 1812 um, – 
uh, he, he said that what Dolly had said about it was totally false. Oh my god, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, he also recalled in his memoirs, quote, In the last days of her life, before Congress purchased her husband's papers, she, Dolly, was in a state of absolute poverty, and I think sometimes suffered for the necessities of life. While I was servant to Mr. Webster, he often sent me to her with a with a market basket full of provisions and told me whenever I saw anything in the house that I thought was she was in need of to take it to her. I often did this and occasionally gave her small sums from my own pocket. What? Though, <laughs> though I had years before brought my bought my freedom from her. Dude, this dude is too good for he his is own too, good. He is too good for anybody else involved in this story. I mean, yeah, but like, why would you give money to, like, slave-owning Lucille Bluth? Slave-owning Lucille Bluth who separated you from your family. Right? From your five children. I mean, how much can one child be worth, Michael? Ten dollars? I'm pretty sure that wife died while he was gone. Ugh. In case you were wondering about Suki, who we brought up earlier. Oh, yes. Remember her? Um, the shoe tire. Yes. After spending her teenage years in the White House, she returned to Montpelier with the Madisons and raised five of her own children. But of course, Dolly fucking dragged her back to Washington, D.C. too. Right. Separating her from her five goddamn children. Because she can't tie her shoes. No, no, can't tie her own shoes. Um, and also proceeded to sell Suki's children because now they were in Montpelier and they weren't useful to her. Mm. Uh, by 1848, all of Suki's children, except for the youngest, 15-year-old Ellen, had died or been sold. When Ellen found out that she was going to be sold as well, she attempted to escape on the Pearl, uh. the ship I mentioned a minute ago. You can see where this is going. Um... And uh, Dolly Madison uh, was furious that Ellen had disappeared and, in retaliation, sold Suki to a local Washington family. Ellen was, as I mentioned, captured, and Dolly considered selling her to, and I am not making this fucking up, she was considering selling her so that she could buy new clothes for Payne Todd. American history is magical. There's always money in the selling of enslaved people. Uh, but abolitionists raised the funds to buy Ellen's freedom and find her employment in Boston. Mm. Small victory. Yeah, Yay. Yeah. Um, Dolly was unable to find a buyer for the papers until 1848 and was essentially destitute. Sarah Stewart, an enslaved woman who remained at Montpelier when Dolly Madison retired to Washington, sent Dolly updates about marriages, children, and illnesses among the plantation's enslaved community, trying to, I guess... Humanize them? Humanize them? So she wouldn't just fucking mm -hmm. sell them all whenever she felt like it? Or was just mad about, I'm mad that your second cousin's roommate tried to escape, so I'm going to sell you and your family to different people? What? She what a sucks. petty bitch. She, she sucks. She's a petty, petty bitch. Um, when, uh, fuck, where was I? When the local sheriff seized individuals enslaved at Montpelier because of the court cases over Mrs. Madison's assets, uh, uh, or her debts, rather, right. Sarah Stewart conveyed the fears of those around her, many of whom were worried that they would be separated from her families. She pleaded with Madison to, quote, make some bargain with somebody by which we could be kept together. 
Instead, as we have discussed, Dolly sold the estate to Henry Moncure shortly thereafter in 1844. He purchased several of the enslaved people living at Montpelier, but others were retained by Dolly Madison or given to Payne Todd, of course. Wh- why? Your son sucks. He sucks so much. He is the worst. Mm, um... And, of course, many of those were later sold to a variety of buyers. Uh, Mommy, this year I have only 37 slaves. Last year you gave me 38 slaves. Well, don't you worry. Don't you worry, Paintot. We will go out and buy you two new slaves. The plantations and slave community was permanently fractured. (laughs) Thank fucking God. 81 fucking years later. Uh, Dolly Madison died at her home in Washington in 1849 at the age of 81. It was Mm. one of the, it was, I think, the biggest funeral that Washington, D.C. had ever had up to that point. Because she threw a hell of a party. Because they liked her turbans. Um, she was first buried at the Congressional Cemetery in D.C., but was later reinterred at Montpelier next to her husband. I don't know why I like this detail. She was buried in an airtight fisk mentality. Fisk metallic burial case with a glass window plate for viewing the face of the deceased. That sounds like some morbid old timey shit. It's morbid old time. Who did they think was viewing the face of the deceased? She was underground. Maybe she was in it. I don't think she was in a mausoleum. Well, no, I just mean maybe they did a viewing and she was already, you know, like locked up tight. I guess. She left what remained of her assets to her son, good old Payne Todd who died just four years after his mother. In his will, he attempted to free those that remained in bondage after his death in 1852. However, he was in such deep debt that those enslaved people were apparently sold to pay his creditors. Okay, so thanks for the gesture, fucko. Fucko. While Dolly Madison was certainly a terrible racist and slave owner, all American first ladies have been touched by slavery in some way, even if only through their temporary residence in the White House. As First Lady Michelle Obama aptly noted, quote, I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds like the entirety of the White House slash D.C. slash American democracy. I had meant this to be a short, lighthearted episode. What what I can say is that, um, again, clearly Lady knew how to throw, throw a party. And that is a skill, okay? Like, it is a skill to know how to throw a party. But um, I care very little about, like, your ability to create crudite platters um, when you're literally the worst like you're 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 selling people to pay off Mm -hmm. shitty son's debts and actively trying to keep enslaved people under your thumb yeah when we had talked about this at lunch the other day one of the things that you mentioned was like that there were accounts of people saying like well she was really the the cruel one the one that would be yeah i didn't necessarily find those accounts although i'm sure i'm sure they exist she's she's got that energy yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah there was um again who knows where i read this but the whole but i've but the whole thing is that like when slaves at the White House were not doing what they were supposed to do or, you know, did a B-plus job rather than an A-plus job or whatever the fuck. And they were like, oh, well, we're going to get, like, Mr. Madison. On, and everyone's kind of like, eh, Mr. Madison. He has the sniffles. No one cares. But then they're like, actually, we're going to tell Dolly. And apparently that's what struck fear in the entire house. Well, because apparently she would fucking 
sell you literally upriver. Uh huh. That's where that's and all of your children to separate from. people, and then whine about the fact that she has to, you know, put on her gloves herself. Yeah. So the next time you explain about you complain about Michelle Obama wearing a sleeveless dress, please remember that I don't know Rush Limbaugh and some bullshit well, idiots. Rush Limbaugh's dead now, and I'm glad. Thanks be to goddess, but. Uh. There are terrible people that think that, like, she was, she's the exemplar. She's what every first lady should aim to be. And, like, she's the reason they're called first ladies, as far as I can tell. But also, she sucked. She super sucked. She super sucked. Like, the turban wasn't even that cute. I've seen portraits. Yeah, no, she super sucked. And I'm glad she's dead. And I, I, I just, we really clearly need to, like, let her legacy be known. Because, again, most people, I think, are just like, oh, she was the party lady, and there was a painting? Um, yeah. And we sort of ignore all of the actual atrocities that she yeah. committed, which, again, I think is the American way. Also, it sounds like James Madison was probably sterile, which is neither here nor there. It's the sniffles. Mm. Mm. That's what those were. Anyway, but on this occasion, now that we've wrapped up the fucking worst, like, hostess with the mostess um maybe we need a self-care plan okay so i thought that i was doing an unrelated self-care plan on protecting yourself from heat stroke and then i remembered montpelier and slavery so no it's tied in Mm. uh it's hot out there y'all protect yourself from heat stroke Stay in cool places where the heat in, when the heat index climbs. If you don't have air conditioning at home, find out if there's a cooling center in your area and try not to think about the countless enslaved people who died of the heat stroke in the time of the Madisons. If by cooling center, do you mean a Starbucks? Yes. Okay. Or a library. Mm. If the Starbucks kicks you out because they're terrible. Mm. Wear lightweight and light-colored clothing, as well as a sun hat to keep cool. Relish the fact that you have the opportunity to pick your own clothes. Stay hydrated when it's hot outside. Your body can become dehydrated before you notice signs. Keep a bottle of water with you and drink from it frequently, because you, dear listener, have access to running water. What? Hell yeah. When it's hot outside, limit outdoor workouts to early morning or dusk. Because, again, this is a choice that you have. Not that Paul or Suki had much choice. And finally, donate to your local branch of the NAACP. Because I'm fucking going to. Hell yeah. 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 That's Dolly Madison, I guess. Well, you know, fuck her. That's going to be all for us this week, folks. If you like what you're hearing, and again, I don't know why you wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, you can check us out at thisfnguypod.com. There's links to all of our social media, which is basically this effing guy for everything. Yeah. Except for our Facebook. That is this fucking guy. I do believe that is alive yes. at it, this it, current moment. It is aloft at the moment. Also on the website. Guys, I, I, I try... I don't want to say my best, but I try unannounced to get episode art uh, into Ren. This is one that I will be definitely doing episode Hell art yeah. for because I need to do the one little curl on the top of his head to beans. Yes. And, um, yeah, so that is where you can find us and chill with us and talk to us and, you know, leave us a review or something. Like, we're pretty fucking cool. Reviews so like, would be great, y'all. Let us know. 
As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I'm Ren Martinez. And here's a bonus self-care tip. Call your mother. I just did, actually, before this episode I started. I know. That's when I was writing this. <laughs> she sends her love. And she wants you to know to not be this fucking guy. Peace. Peace. This fucking guy.